Professors FM. Doug, as you know, we have joined the Professors FM podcast network. So it's extremely exciting. It's like for the first time in my life, I'm going to have academic friends. This is big. And as part of this, we're going to talk about some of the other shows on the network. One of the things we talk a lot about in terms of sports analytics is the role of incentives, right? It's all about incentives. And so one of the other shows on the network is called Taxes for the Masses, brought to you by Lisa DeSimone from the University of Texas and Bridget Stomberg from Indiana University. And so what these two ladies do is they dive into all things taxes. I think it's a great compliment to what we do. In some ways, there's nothing bigger in public policy than taxes in terms of shaping the economy and society because taxes change how people behave. So, you know, give it a listen. Great show. Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Welcome, everyone. Mike Lewis with the Fanalytics podcast. Today, I'm joined by Tom Smith, economist by training, a teacher extraordinaire here at Emory University. What's our topic today, Tom? Well, I think it has to do with the Pittsburgh Steelers running back. I was hoping you would pronounce the name because I think oh. you're a little better in terms of your... Uh, Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell. Okay, and so the the situation is an interesting one to me from an analytics perspective. Le'Veon Bell is uh, widely regarded as the top running back in the NFL, correct? Absolutely. Uh, and he is in a bit of a... Um, contract battle with the Steelers, which really has been going on for a couple of years. They franchised him uh, last year, and they've put a franchise tag on him again this year. We'll, we'll air this in a couple of days, but on Monday evening this week, it sounds like the two sides failed to reach an agreement on a longer-term contract with Bell now potentially planning on you know being franchised again and then walking away from the Steelers. I believe Levian is 26 years old, and so he would be 27 or 28 in terms of looking for a new NFL team. Anything else that I'm missing in terms of the background on the story, Tom? No, I think you I think you nailed it. What I want to talk about, and because I, I think this is a great topic, this idea of a running back and whether or not you pay a running back in terms of a let's say an analytics perspective so you know i i've got a bunch of thoughts on this you where, where do you come into this i mean what are, what are some of your initial thoughts about paying levy if you're the pittsburgh steelers yeah it's um in analytics it's it's really easy to throw a bunch of numbers into a regression equation and try to um, identify what somebody's value is right it's um what we what we typically call a earnings equation some kind of a hedonic pricing model Right, and so the hedonic pricing models are usually used in real estate to try to identify what is a you know what is the value of the real estate and how do, how do the characteristics of a property add to that value? And okay. you would do the same thing with a with an NFL player or a Major League Baseball player. And so you take their salary and you regress it against some of their performance statistics well, to try to understand. How does each additional yard add to their value? So let me let me ask you a question here, and, I, and maybe I'm misunderstanding, but I think what you're saying is you come up with a uh, essentially a model that forecasts 
how um, Bell would perform in the upcoming seasons and then match that to salary via some sort of – so it would be a statistical model forecasting performance. Is that what we're looking at, or are you talking about something sort of retrospectively? Yeah, retrospectively. So, But you, you, you do actually a little bit of both, one of the things that you suggested. So one is you run, um, let's suppose – the players' statistics for the past 10 years, you gather all of the uh, running backs, and you say, this is what their earnings is, and this is what their performance statistics are. So you regress earnings against touchdowns, okay. yards, what have you. Then you could put into that model Le'Veon's statistics, which would then tell you what his value is to the to the league in general. So you're saying you would... Um... You would value him based on essentially what he did in 2017? Yeah, what he did in 2017, what he did in 2016, but then also how other teams valued their running backs in 2015, 2016, what have you. Well, and I I think that's a very legitimate way of doing it, sort of adding – I mean, one of the notions I think we should touch on is just the basic idea of comparables. That's right. Because I think, you know, comparables, like I I think you mentioned in real estate – Anyone that's ever bought a house knows the real estate agent starts talking about comparables. Absolutely. Right? So a similar house, similar running back. The thing that I want to add to this, though, and ask you about is, well, what about his age? So he's 26 right now, going to be 27, potentially coming off the franchise tag. You know, how do you include that number? Is that number important in this kind of discussion? I think it is, right? I mean, most people who, you know, play around with football statistics will tell you that the NFL stands for not for long. That's the average number of tenure for uh, the average player, what, less than three years? Well, and and for a running back. (laughs) That's, uh, I mean, your your knees are taking an incredible amount of damage. I mean, good running backs that are, are playing into their 30s are incredibly rare. And even running backs who have really good seasons, as they're approaching their 30s, they become very, very toxic. Well, there's there's a couple of rules of thumb, and we're going to bounce all over the place today, I think. You know, there's a couple of rules of thumb for running backs. I think the the 370 carry rule, are you familiar with this one? I think actually I heard you talk about it during a lecture. <laughs> so Tom and I used to teach a sports analytics class that we will eventually bring back to the Emory community. But the 370 rule basically is that, I mean, you know, it's kind of common sense. It's a heuristic that if I put a lot of carries on a running back, that performance is going to suffer the next year. You know, and the 370 seems to be the magic the magic number. Right. Now, we, we have the stat for Levian's stats for last year. He had 321 rushes. But I think it's also important to note that he had uh, 85 receptions. So... That, to my way of calculating, is 406 potential plays that end up with some, well, nasty contact, right? That's right. That's right. It's a lot of, that's a lot of wear and tear in your body. That's a lot of hits. It's a lot of hits. Okay. And so we're talking about, you know, how do you include something like that into this Levy and Bell equation? Yeah, I mean, I I think that you include in if you were doing an earnings equation or a hedonic pricing model, you would include, you know, the age of the player, the number of um, touches that the player had, both from the line of scrimmage and also from receptions. You know, you'd look at look at the kind of plays that he's put in to to partake in, right? So I mean, if he's a if he's an all all three uh, receiver and also an all three. Uh, running back, so he's in for short yardage plays. He's in for long yardage plays. I mean, he's going to be beat up like like nobody's business. Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I kind of get the feeling that I'm almost pushing. And again, I think we've got differences in terms of how we arrive at this world of analytics. 
where I, I feel like I'm pushing you to more of a forward-looking or forecasting model. Is that fair? Yes, I think so. I mean, I think that I would I would go retrospective, and then I would make some predictions based on what his performance is likely to be going forward, and then the value that he adds to the team, right? Yeah, I mean, like my, my first, and I think it's interesting, so you go with the hedonic pricing model. My first thought when I'm starting to talk about running backs is I want to go to like a survival analysis model. Oh, interesting. Okay. You know, so, and for those of you that don't know, a survival analysis model, for the engineers, you might call that a failure time model. Basically, it's a, a statistical model that ends up being something where you predict how much longer the player is going to play. Right. Now, for running backs, I might want to make some adjustments and actually, let's say, look at how long the running back is going to play at a, at a high level. Yeah. So for that, I mean, in order to build that model out, you would include running backs from the last five or six years and try to estimate, okay, when was, could we have known that this was going to be LaDainian Tomlinson's last season or this was going to be Turner's last season, right? And so trying to estimate, wait, when does all of a sudden a running back become no longer viable? Maybe they still have some yards in them, but they just aren't a real value to the team when do they when do they transition from let's say an elite level to a solid level to a you know average level right and what a team doesn't want to get caught doing i mean we can talk a little bit about the contracts in 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 the nfl because i think it's an important thing to note but what a team doesn't want to get caught doing and we see this in basketball and we see this in baseball a lot is that you sign a contract with a player and then because of you forecasted they're going to perform at some kind of level and all of a sudden at their level starts to decrease and now your marginal cost of the player is greater than the marginal benefit they bring to your team and so now you're essentially losing money on this player right and and I think that's a you know even though the NFL isn't known for guaranteed contracts I think that's part of the equation here right because if you know if Bell signs the deal there's going to be some guaranteed money up front. You know, I think they were talking about about $30 million in guaranteed money and maybe a guaranteed year or two. Um, so, yeah. So, the, so, the, so for people who aren't really super familiar with this, in the NFL and in the NBA, they've got different kinds of contracts. So in the NFL, if a player signs, let's say, a five-year deal, well, they only get paid if they are on the team. So if they get cut for performance reasons, other than injury reasons, but for performance reasons, then they are not entitled to the balance of the salary that they have not received. This is not counting, as you mentioned, guaranteed money. Which is why you see so much emphasis on the signing bonuses. Now, you know, and again, maybe this is starting to change a little bit with uh, Kirk Cousins having an entirely guaranteed deal, which I believe was sort of the first time that actually happened in the NFL this past offseason. Yeah, there's been there's been a lot of push I think from the from the individual players to try to secure as much money up front. And that's I think one of the reasons why you see someone like Bell decide to not sign a contract because they want to get as much guaranteed money up front. I mean, he's one tackle away from being a former NFL player. Right. And and so let let's now switch over to, you know, so I, I think that's good stuff in terms for the for the analyst listening in terms of how you might want to approach this hedonic pricing model survival analysis and we're going a little more technical than than i think we we have on previous episodes of the podcast but it's 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 important stuff and you know there's millions of dollars in play the other thing that i heard you say when we were talking about sort of transition from let's say an elite level to a you know a solid level to a 
maybe less than a solid level. You know, I think there's something important behind the scenes there, too, and there's like this notion of, let's say, replacement value. Very good. Very good. So one of the other things, if you ever read the collective bargaining agreements of these different leagues, which I think is fascinating reading, is that... I'm going to disagree. Painful reading, but sure. (laughs) But fascinating nonetheless, is that players gain years of tenure in the league by performing a certain number of... by being on the the squad. And so the the league has guaranteed minimums for players who have played in in five years, seven years, nine years, ten years, and what have you. And that's a tough thing for running backs, right? Right. Because, you know, the quarterback probably grows into, you know, gets better over time where the running back is getting the minimal running backs might be best rookie year, first year, second year, third year, and just always on a downward trajectory. But the contract situation actually means that that's going to be their lowest paid years. That's right. And so during the during the first couple of years, there's a transfer of rents. So what's happening is that the player is giving up a lot of rents to the team, and the team is essentially underpaying for performance or overpaying for performance. And then what happens is the is that the running back hopefully says, okay, later on you're going to pay me ten million dollars, and I'm going to be then collecting some rents. Okay, but why would the why would the team ever do that? Why would the team ever? You know, so in some levels, so Levy and Bill might be the best running back in the league, but maybe he wants $15 million a year. I think that's the number he's looking for. Could the Steelers go out and pick a, you know, what is the drop-off if they pick a, you know, a running back in the second round or the third round, and they get to pay that guy how much? million dollars a year? I really like where you're going here, right? And if you're looking at sort of marginal analysis, which I, I like to say that really all good decisions are made on the margin. If you're looking at the marginal analysis, you say, so if I go out, I'm going to pay this, I'm going to pay Bell $15 million and he's going to give me 2,000 collective yards, right? So, but if I go out and get, let's say somebody who's not at the upper echelon, slightly lower for, let's say 4 million, Mm -hmm. is that person going to give me 1,200 yards? So am I going to pay an extra $10 million for 800 yards. I mean, it's at some point, right? and this is where when you see players who get cut and they say, you know, I was, I was given 100% and the team comes back and says, well, you know, maybe he had one more good year, maybe not, great guy, but, you know, we picked up a rookie. We can pay rookie salary and maybe this guy's going to have his best year. He'll have a breakout year. You were going to give, maybe give us 1,400 yards. Maybe this rookie's going to give us 12. We had to pay you seven, and we can pay this guy three. I mean, it's the it, differences that right. become very, very, very intricate. And then you add, you know, that this is, in fact, a not to go too hardcore, but, you know, managing an NFL team is really a constrained dynamic optimization problem at this point. Right? I thought you said you weren't going to go into the yeah, technical well, <laughs> terms. <laughs> you know, we, because if I can save $10 million and like you're saying, so maybe I go from 1,500 yards to 1,000 yards, but now I got an extra $10 million that I can do something to upgrade my free safety position and maybe even get a Pro Bowl punter out there, then this becomes a really, really tough issue. Right, and you got to think about, so if I can save a couple, three, five, ten million dollars on my running back and add it to my offensive line, now I save, now I basically can protect my most valuable resource, my quarterback. And as you mentioned, you, know, you, you talked about the productivity of quarterbacks versus the productivity of running backs. 
each of these each of these positions have to be measured slightly different. You might think about the quarterback as saying, "Well, this person has to be able to call audibles. That's not just the number of yards they throw. It's under what conditions do they throw a short out versus you know a long pass? Are they going to go for the first down? Can they move the ball in two minutes versus the running back whose job is to just pound, 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 pound? So you have to give up things like this number of yards for good timekeeping or this number of yards for um, effective plays and what have you. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm going to ask you a sort of bottom line this in a second, but, you know, one of the things that sort of comes to my mind as we have this conversation is, you know, maybe the collective bargaining agreements probably need to be written differently based on the player position in, in terms of equity because it's almost like the running backs are never going to, you know, the structure of their careers, the trajectory of their careers – combined with, you know, sort of thing, issues related to replacement value, it's going to be hard for those guys to ever get paid. Yeah, know? I think it would be really, really important for, for us to actually grab somebody from, you know, one of the players, one of the player reps and talk about, you know, what kind of conversations do you have? I think that if you start talking about, you know, uh, minimums, salary minimums by position, that's where you'll see a lot more struggle. A bottom line, if you're the Steelers, do you pay Levian? Well, since I'm not a huge Steelers fan, I would say no. I would say let's you know they've got a franchise tag on this guy for another year. He's going to be 26. He's probably got three. 27, good years. probably. I mean, when he's 26 now, okay. 27 after the, the oh, next yeah. year. Okay, so he's going to be hitting 30. His productivity is going to go way down. You don't want to you don't want to pay 15 million dollars for a player who's going to give you a thousand yards. Yeah, well, and he will also probably have. So looking at the stats, he's got uh, was that 1,200 carries in him. If he gets another three or four hundred next year, you're looking at sixteen hundred carries. I don't know. Did this? Did this? Did he play three years in college? Uh, um, I think he did play a while at Michigan State. So um, you've got you've got three years plus another one, two, three, six. You got nine years of running the ball like this. He's got three good years left. I mean, you know, the the the, the strange thing in all this is, in some ways, you know, I know I know these guys. Part ego comes into it as well, and he wants to set a you know a standard and be paid like quarterbacks and by wide receivers. But I, you know, if I'm looking at this as the analyst, I'm like Levy and dude, you got to you got to take that deal. Life might not be fair on some of this stuff, but you know, if you can set sort of the all-time record for running backs. Uh, you know, I, th- I think you got to do it and protect yourself. I think if he gets, if he can get a deal where he can get as much guaranteed money up front, and so if he can get multiple guaranteed cousin seasons, if you will, mm-hmm. then uh, it doesn't matter if he's, it doesn't matter if he's making fifty million dollars that he can't collect on. But yeah. if he can collect on thirty, or, get the thirty, or, or get then get the thirty. Yeah, get the thirty. Stay in Pittsburgh, become a hometown legend, have some brand equity to make money in that city afterwards. I, I think. You know, it's 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 a tough deal, but it's where they're at. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of all this, the the real money comes after after your career, where you're you have a shoe deal for life, or you've <laughs> got a you know a car deal for life. I mean, that's where the real you know, if you're just doing finance, you know, long tail models end up making you lots of money. Just yeah. ask Jordan on that one. Jordan. Yeah, well, I mean, he made, oh, he Michael, made Michael, Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, Tom, yeah, yeah. Tom's changing sports. I mean. <laughs> you know, Michael Jordan made you know a ton more money, uh, you know, endorsing shoes than he ever did playing basketball. Okay. Right. okay. Well, thanks very much, Tom. Definitely appreciate you coming in and talking to me about all these various topics. Love your perspective. It's a little bit different from mine, but I, you know, like I said, I think we can actually even learn from uh, each other, and hopefully, 
the listeners enjoy this as well. Hope so. And always, there's always going to be a little bit more content at influentialanalytics.com. Please, please subscribe. Please rate us on iTunes. Appreciate you guys very much. In terms of the schedule, what we've decided we're shooting for is to have a new episode drop every other Thursday with a few random episodes dropped in whenever there's something hot or topical going on. Um, So again, thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Thank you.